Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. Well, we have a special guest today, Coach Brooke Cups. Welcome to uh, the Underdog Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. It's an honor to have you. Um, I hold Ohio high school sports at a high regard. I'm a little biased because I, I uh, am from the state, so played sports in the state. And last year, you uh, you won at the highest level. Uh, your team and yourself won uh, the Division One state championship at Centerville High School. And first off, wanted to congratulate you on that honor and uh, look forward to your first high school basketball coach on this platform. So I know that might be a trophy <laughs> behind you. Um, but once again, welcome to the underdog podcast. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Yeah, we were, we had a great season and things came together. Things went the right way, you know, to, to win at that level, some stuff's got to fall in place. So we were, we were fortunate that happened for us last year. Absolutely. And and I have here, it says, uh, not only you're a, a coach, but a teacher as well, which I think is ever so important in this world, this day and age. And so at Centerville, I do my best to bring a relentless mentality to growth and improvement to our school. So I think that's a good start to spot or good start to good spot to start. If I can, if I can speak here today, but the personal mantra coach, uh, of chopping wood, I brought a little ax here with me. So hopefully those people on video, I got an ax here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Chop, chop. As you would say, can you go over that mentality of uh, chopping wood? Yeah, we actually just had, so this past weekend, we had our, our retreat that we take our guys on. So we go up to a, up to the kind of a wooded area, you know, kind of a big farm um, up in Pickle, Ohio. And we, uh, we do a big workout. We kind of do some different things. Family comes up for cookout. We set our team goal for this season. And then we get up the next morning and we chop down some dead trees. And uh, the message, you know, it, it, it kind of, it kind of just, I don't know, came around. I didn't really set out to do it intentionally. It's something we said once and it kind of stuck. And then we just kind of become part of what we talk about, like that chop, chop mentality for us. It means like a relentless, um, persistent pursuit. Like, you know, when things are really good, you just keep chopping. When things are bad, you just keep chopping. Like that's kind of home base. Like just get back to work, swing that thing as hard as you can swing it. Um, it won't feel like, you know, one of the things we talk about at the beginning, when we go chop down a tree is like, you're going to swing a few times and then you're going to be like, holy crap, this is going to take forever. And it will take a lot longer than you think it's going to take. But the point is it'll still come down. Like if you just keep swinging, it's still going to come down. And so, you know, we take that as part of our philosophy in terms of practice and in our breakfast club, like our guys shoot before school every day. And it's like, you know, you may not notice that you're better in two days or in two weeks, but in two years, you're going to notice a difference. And so it's just that I I think just the faithfulness to the process is what we go for with that chop chop. Yeah. And I think one thing I I saw is attack every opportunity with purpose. And it sounds like you're doing that with chopping the wood and you're attacking it aggressively, just going to, to what you're talking about with your team, which I think is an awesome team activity as a, uh, as I call them as a takeaway. Um, but you go aggressively. That's one thing I saw is that not be afraid to make mistakes, attack every opportunity with purpose. 
Can you parlay that attack opportunity with purpose on top of that, you know, chop wood mentality? Yeah. So last year, that was, that was actually last year's team goal um, that attack every opportunity with purpose. So when we, when we go up to that retreat, we always set a goal uh, for the year. And that goal is for us, the goal is always process-based. Like I, I'm not a big destination-based goal guy. Like I, I mean, I know there's science behind smart goals and all that stuff. Like for us, the way we do it and the way we find the most benefit is if it's a process-based goal that we can just focus on doing that every day. And by doing that every day, we have a chance to become the best version of ourselves, the best team that we can become. And so uh, that was the goal for last year. And, you know, I thought that group, that group did that um, pretty consistently. And, you know, it's funny we just talked about this weekend. The last thing we said in our last huddle last season was attack the opportunity with purpose. Like we were on defense. We had to get a stop. They had ball based on out of bounds to win or lose a state championship. And we just said, attack the opportunity with purpose. Let's go attack the opportunity. And so um, it's pretty cool how those things come back around a lot of times and um, I think when you can when you can get your kids and you can talk to them about focusing on the process, I think it relieves some of the stress and some of the pressure for achievement um, that's so common with comparison and stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's just as important to have those goals when whether you have a good team or a bad team, you know, like not comparing yourself to somebody else, but always coming back to like, hey, did we attack the opportunity with purpose? If we did then we're going to surrender the outcome. We're going to take what happens. Like that's, that's what we're faithful to is that process. Yeah. And, and a lot of people say fall in love with the process and love to hear the process-based goal. Cause I think a lot of people, and I see in business, I'm in the staffing business and we actually just recently talked, we had all of our operations across the country come in and we talked about at times we prioritize results, but those results aren't conducive to be sustainable over time because the behaviors weren't there. They had a result that was favorable, but it wasn't sustainable because those behaviors or chopping wood or the process and the discipline wasn't there. So, so much, and I use sports as you probably can tell quickly to translate the business because there is so many translations um, kind of going off of, you know, process-based goals and, you know, falling in love with the process, chopping wood, Something else I saw was, you know, the strength of the wolf as another personal mantra. Can you talk about the wolf and the strength of the wolf, whether it's a pack, whether it stands alone, kind of go through that? Yeah, I mean, that the picture behind me there, Ryan actually had that done for us, for me. Um, but I, I mean, I just kind of think wolves are badass. Like I, for me, a wolf is cooler than a, than a lion or a tiger. Um, I saw a quote one time where it just said, you know, lions and tigers are cool, but you don't see a wolf in the circus, do you? And so like I, that always kind of stuck with me. I, I just think of a wolf. Um, for me, it's a pack animal, right? Like I, I, I realized very early in my career and my life really that like I was okay by myself, but I was way better when I was with a team. I just way better. And I enjoyed it more. And I felt like I felt like I felt whole in a group, in a team. And to me, that's what a wolf represents that, that mentality that like, yeah, we can do some stuff on our own, but together, like we, we can pretty much do whatever we want if we can get it right between us. And so 
Um, you know, the strength of the pack is the wolf. The strength of the wolf is the pack. That like that to me is just part of that that mindset that you know, you know we we want to we want to be as unified and as together as we can possibly be. And that that for us in our program that that's like always our trump card. Like we're just always going to try to be. We're going to try to outwork you and we're always going to try to just be closer and tighter and trust each other more than, than other people, other teams. Yeah. Something I hadn't heard, which I loved get touches. And I have seen teams, you know, you watch college basketball or high school basketball and you see guys, you know, high five. And when they come out of the game, you see them pick them off charges, you know, you see high fives and hugs and stuff, but that was something I never heard of was get touches. I'm thinking, you know, quite frankly, selfishly is like, how many touches is a guy getting like football? Like, are we getting the running back enough touches or the wide receiver enough touches of the ball? You guys talk about touches in supporting each other. Can you go through the, the mindset of get touches? Yeah. One of our core values is be thankful. And so our behavior for thankful is show love. And one of the ways we show love is to get touches. Um, I don't, it really kind of started with an, a really, an article several years ago that somebody wrote about the, about the uh, Golden State uh, Warriors. And it was just talking about teams that touch the most, win the most. And uh, we've, we've just kind of, it's just become part of who we are. Like, um, you know, I think there's multiple reasons to get touches. You know, obviously you can, you can get a touch to, to encourage a guy to tell him good job. You can get a touch um, also to bring a guy back to the present. Now, one of the things like our guys, after you turn the ball over, if it's a dead ball, you have to, the other four guys on the floor have to go get a touch with that guy. And the whole point of that is to get him back to the present moment. Like we're all best when we're present. And so a lot of, a lot of the negative self-talk, a lot of that, those things happen um, in the, in the past. And so, um, we want to try to get guys immediately back to the back to the present as quickly as we can. And, you know, one of the things we say along with touches is you can't be tough alone. Like you need other people to be tough with you and to help you be as tough as you could be kind of like the wolf. And so those touches are a way of unifying and pulling our guys together and showing appreciation um, for our, for our teammates and for each other. Yeah. I love those knowledge yeah, I love nuggets. Those knowledge all best in the present and can't be tough alone. That's uh, that's good stuff right there. And you talked about the the core principles of your program. What I want you talked about thankful, but just to touch upon the others, there's four I have here is tough, passion, unified, and thankful. Hopefully I got those right. Can you go through, I know you just touched upon, you know, thankful. Can you touch upon tough, passion, and unified as well? Yeah. So tough, tough for us is, uh, positive body language. So for what we do is we have core values and then we define our core values or we clarify them with a behavior, which is, I think, somewhat unique. And I, you know, I've worked with some people to try to help them do that because I think it brings a lot of clarity to your culture when you can say what it means. Like if I just say, if I just have a kid or I take our basketball team and I say, write down what you think tough is, we're going to get, we're going to get 20 different answers. Right. And so what we want is we want clarity around when I say tough, we all know what I'm talking about. Right. When I say passionate, we all know what I'm talking about. So for us, tough is positive body language. I just I think every single thing that is ever done that shows toughness 
begins with positive body language. I've never seen anybody be tough, like moping into the boxing ring, right? To, or, or wherever you're going, like I've just never seen it. And so I think that is the initial step. The, the root cause of toughness is you got to first be like, all right, I'm going after this, right? Um, our belief around that is fight ready. So we say that's, that's probably what we say more. We want our guys to have that mentality. Like we're fight ready. It doesn't matter if you're going into a test, a job interview, fourth quarter free throw with two seconds left tough, like fight ready, attack that moment. Um, passionate for us is choosing extra work. And so we say stealing inches for that. Um, extra work is just like, I mean, for us, it's, you know, our guys work out in the morning before school. We want to know like in practice, how quickly do we get a drill started? How much time do we have between how, how fast do we rotate in the weight room? Um, just maximizing the opportunities that we have. Um, I, I personally feel everything is, is all defined in the extra, like everybody's going to practice two hours a day in, in high school basketball, right? Everybody's going to, you know, everybody's going to go to work from nine to five. It's like, it's like, what do you do with that time? And what do you do with the time inside and out of that? That's really going to define you and whether you are really pursuing excellence or you're just accepting mediocrity. So, um, you know, we, we want to try to emphasize stealing inches anytime we can. Um, unified for us is speak and act with urgency. So that, that one's kind of, uh, confused that this is one I have to explain a lot because people usually think unified would be like touches or something, but for us, unified is really about communication and our willingness to communicate openly and honestly. So, um, when we say speak and act with urgency, we're saying no, like no, uh, no politics, no, no guarded, no, like just say what needs to be said and say it with like, like that you mean it and that it's important. And so one of the things we talk to our guys about like the most selfish act, I think in team sports is walking by a standard that is below what's accepted. And so if I see a guy not touch a line and I watch that and I don't address it because that guy is a three-time returning varsity player. That is me being selfish. That's what that is. I'm choosing my comfort over what I know is good for the team. I know what's best for the team is for him to be disciplined enough to touch the line. I know that. There's no question. But I choose to not say anything because I want to be comfortable more than I want to uphold the standard of the team. And so from that perspective, our guys get pretty clearly like, okay, I see how it's unified because we're prioritizing our team over my personal feelings. Um, so that's, that's where we are with unified and then thankful is touches and, uh, you know, showing love. Yeah. We, we, we have here at our company, gratitude, selflessness, and high expectations. So I think some similarities there and really interesting to hear, you know, how those four core principles and I heard your son and, and my mentor on, on the podcast, both of you guys together is incredible. I think he walked in the room and you guys are all, obviously he's your son, but He's just, you know, he, he, Ryan asked the question and he was just right on point with your guys's, you know, um, core principles and, and the way you guys go about your business or your, your behaviors. Um, would you say this championship team, you know, obviously, like you said, you don't measure yourself in actual results. It's the process, but the results, obviously you were at the, the top of the, the mountain last year, uh, winning that championship from a result perspective. Would you say that team also behavior wise 
had the the top the best behaviors you've ever had as a coach with your players that resulted in that or how did that all come together yeah um I don't know that I would say they were the best. They were really good. Um, I would say we've probably been on a stretch of about, I don't know, I would say four to five years of like, we were good. Like our, our culture was good. Our behaviors were good. Like we were, we were capable of achieving at the highest level um, for this group. It just worked out. I, that, I mean, that's, it, that's just how it fell in place. Um, I think, you know, there, we've had, I would say two or three teams in the past five years that have been good enough to get it done. We've just gotten beat. We got beat by Moeller most of the time, but we've gotten beat by, you know, somebody along the way. And like, you know, that's, that's kind of the weird thing. It's like, I I think that's why you don't base your success or failure on achievement because it's really just all about maximizing what you have. And, you know, and sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not. I, I go back to my old high school coach, Dave Zeller, who I think is one of the best coaches I've ever had. And he never won a district championship. And so that's really what kind of opened my eyes to that side of it. It's like, man, if he never won a district championship, you're not telling me some of these guys that got four and five state championships are better than him. I, I, I'm not believing that. Like just, so, I mean, it's, it kind of, kind of changed my perspective with, with that whole thing. I do think this team was very vulnerable and had a very deep level of trust with each other. We were fortunate enough to have seniors that took on um, like, like role, like core value or culture roles rather than playing roles. Um, We had, you know, we had three or four seniors that hardly ever played, but you know, two of those guys, led the scouting report before every game. Like they're the one they watched the film. They told everybody what matchups were, what uh, personnel tendencies were. They, uh, they were just, I mean, they were completely selfless. And I think when you have those guys, especially as seniors that everybody else is watching, and it's like, man, he, he's not even going to get to play. And he's watched two hours of film. He's busting his butt in practice every day. He never misses conditioning. He runs hard every single time. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to dog it. You know, it's hard to like you, you just, they earn that trust. And I think that drove a lot of what this team was, was really about. Well, I love that being a former walk on in college myself. Um, <laughs> I was a field goal holder. So I, I appreciate the love to the practice squad players and, uh, so our gold those, squad that was our guys. Gold yeah, squad. Gold squad. Yeah. Yeah. We called ourselves, uh, what were we, the, the, uh, 5 a.m. guys, you know, the uh, we had to if you weren't on travel squad, you had to get up at 5 a.m. and and get your workouts in. So uh, those are the good <laughs> stories. That's what that's what makes you tough. Right. But right. I, I think your players coach, I would imagine that they'll talk about Coach Cups and, and the impact. And you just had mentioned your coach, Coach Zeller. Can you touch upon, you know, is a lot of your I guess, whether your parents or mentors, can you touch upon how important Coach Zeller anyone is? Because obviously you've created you, you have a, a body of work but obviously you've probably been influenced can you talk touch upon that influence with coach zeller or anyone else yeah i mean z was a big one for me um you know for for him it was it was humility he was uh he, he, played, he was an all-american in miami of ohio then he played in the he played for the cincinnati royals for a few years behind oscar robertson and i just remember i i, I mean i can remember it he always taped my ankles and he was always, 
he was always trying to get me to shoot more in high school and uh, would always like, first of all, I just remember him taping my ankles. And I remember thinking like this guy played in the NBA and he's, he's taping a random average kid's ankle before a high school basketball game. And I just thought, I thought that was just such a great lesson in humility and service. Um, You know, and, and I I've actually, I've still got a couple like I think from my last high school game, I've still got the tape that, you know, from my ankle and, you know, coach Z passed away this past year. And so it was, you know, it's, it meant, it meant something to me. It was, it was very impactful. Um, he was, a, he was constantly learning. Um, I would say, I would say probably the, another huge influence on me was my dad. My dad was a, grew up an alcohol with an alcoholic father and went to like, 20 different high schools and just kind of in and out of everything and really changed the course of my family's life because he chose to go to the air force to get away from what he was in and, you know, came back and, you know, got an education, became a teacher. Now my, me and my brother are both teachers. Um, you know, it's like, we're the only ones really in our family that, that have graduated college and, you know, have, have, professions and jobs like this. And it's just, just a reminder of, you know, his toughness, like he's, he's a quiet guy, doesn't say a whole lot. Um, but, you know, between his toughness and his humility of how he goes about and went about like, you know, knowing who he was and what he wanted to represent, I think really kind of, kind of, you know, definitely changed my life and, and set me up for what I'm able to do now and the opportunities that I have. So I'm, grateful obviously for that um so he was a he was a huge influence on me my brother seven years older than me who was a football coach uh, coached at LaSalle he was a d coordinator at LaSalle and uh Maslin Jackson Maslin Washington um at Graham for a little bit but that's great no those are probably the biggest people I think that come to mind right away that's fantastic. I want to take a minute here and or a couple and and talk about the book. So I brought in props today. People are probably like, I got an axe and a book. What the heck, Kyle, are you doing today? And uh, this is uh, was forwarded by Ryan Hawk, who obviously is both uh, near and dear to both of our hearts. But uh, surrender the outcome. Can you go through anyone? I think this is is a great read. Um, go through why you wrote the book, what's in the book, and and how it could be helpful to someone that's looking to overcome adversity, which I think what is a lot of people with the underdog approach or coming, you know, with that uh, dog mentality, um, you would love to hear about your book. Yeah. So, I mean, I originally wrote the book just because I wanted to see if I could, like, I like to try to do hard stuff and, you know, it was like, I don't know, why not? Like, might as well give it a shot. It looks pretty hard. It's hard. It's, <laughs> it was, it was definitely a different deal for, in terms of difficulty for me. Um, I really, I started it just kind of, I wrote it as a parable, kind of like uh, lead for God's sake, or like kind of a combination of lead for God's sake and the five dysfunctions of a team, I would say, because it's, so it's written as like first two thirds of the book is a parable. Basically it's my story of when I started out coaching to kind of where I am now um, and how much that's changed. Um, You know, the reason I wrote it is, well, the reason I wrote it because it's hard, Like, I mean, the reason I decided to share it because I wasn't going to share it. I was just going to, I wrote it and I was like, okay, that's good. I, you know, I did it. Like, then some people were like, dude, stop being a, stop being a baby, just publish it. So I was like, 
fine. Like I'll try to figure out how to publish it. But in the process of doing that, I guess, I think my hope is that it can help people suck less than I sucked. I mean, or shorten that curve. I mean, I feel like my first seven years of coaching, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed by the number of kids that I cheated out of what could have been a great high school experience. And some of them will say that it was a good experience, but it was, I mean, I know, I know what I left on the table. I know what I, the connections I didn't make and the, you know, the, the values that I didn't instill in kids that I had the opportunity to. Um, and so it's really that story. And I go through kind of me finding me sucking and then kind of hitting bottom and like, okay, I I can't do this like this anymore. And then finding my core values and then coaching through the values, tough, passionate, unified, and thankful. And, you know, how that changed, not only how I coach, but how I parent, how I lead. And, um, you know, and then the end of the book, the last third of it is kind of a how-to, like how to find your core values, how to find your behaviors that go with them, how to live intentionally through those values. And, you know, I don't know, hopefully it, hopefully it helps somebody, you know, like I said, be better, faster. Yeah, no, I think living with intention and purpose and focusing, as you mentioned on the process, being willing to surrender the outcome is extremely powerful, but isn't it amazing? I've seen that too. I'm approaching, I I feel like I'm getting old, but 30, I'm I'm headed to 36 years old, but I started this company when I was 22 and I just talked to the group and I had the same thing. I look back and I just, it makes you lose sleep or it makes you almost sick to your stomach. Some of the things that you did, but you do learn as long as you're self-aware, right? Just like in sports, you put on the film, as long as you're willing to evaluate, you know, be humble and, and, and get better. Um, but does, man, I, 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 I'm listening to you talk, man. I almost feel sick to my stomach thinking about what I was like as a young leader. But, you know, once again, you're sharing that story to impact others, uh, which I think is commendable to hopefully help them avoid the mistakes that you or even when I talk to people that I, I can, and I think that's once again, a great, a great piece to what you're doing. Um, wanted to also touch upon, you know, I think it's unique, uh, opportunity. You won a state championship with your son, Gabe, one of the best players in the state and or country in my, uh, from what I understand, um, and something before we touch upon him, something I thought was really powerful. Uh, and hopefully I have two boys. Hopefully my sons would tell me, is I, as I raise them, the same thing that he says about you. He says he prioritizes building better people rather than players and trying to make somebody a better person rather than just win games. I think you just said that with your book. Is there anything else you want to touch upon? What does that mean coming from your son, Gabe, or, or former players? Um, no, I don't have much to add. I mean, I, I'm obviously grateful that that he sees that. You know, he's been – He's obviously had a, in terms of basketball, he's had a unique upbringing. I mean, he's, he's grown up in huddles and in locker rooms. And like, he was, I remember when he first came to Centerville, he's the little kid, he's sitting on the ground in the locker room, like raising his hand to answer questions at halftime. I'm asking our guy stuff and he's raising his hand. And he's just, he's just been in a whole lot of different situations than a lot of kids have. And I think he's been able to see, um, like he's seen me, I'm glad he's seen me in the second half of my career and not the first half of my career. So um, I think he's been able to see like what, what's really important to me and, you know, like, you know, getting, you know, he's at home when I get a call from a player, 
you know, that's graduated five years ago and like how much that, how important that is. So he, he gets to see that side of it, which is, which is really cool. And I think, I think he understands that, that big picture of everything. Yeah. What, what is, I mean, I know he's getting recruited across the country. What, what do you, you got a lot of coaches, which coming into your office, right? Across the country, major division one basketball programs. What, you know, as a coach yourself, it has to be an interesting, you know, dynamic, right? You got college coaches coming in, talking to you. What have you seen through former players or that whole process? I've been fascinated, you know, cause I was a player myself, but from your angle as a coach, you know, I talked to Steve Speck at St. X high school with, uh, from a football perspective, from a basketball perspective, what are you looking for, for your, whether it's your son or anyone else as a coach coming in? Cause I think there's a wide range from my, my understanding of watching them, but what, what is a core premise of, of coach either, you know, recruiting your son or your players? I mean, for me, it's, it's always just the quality of the individual. I, I mean, I think it always comes back to the relationship that, that, that player is going to have. And, you know, we do things a certain way. We, we've actually, some of our guys you know, struggle going to college if it's not a culture that's somewhat similar to what we have, because we put so much into that part of it. And, um, you know, I think, and I think some of our kids have had trouble adjusting to, you know, maybe the college culture and the college scene. Um, but I think it all goes back to those relationships. That's what I talk to guys about. It's what I've, you know, I've talked to Gabe about. It's it's more about like, I don't know, there's a lot of things to look at, but it's really more about like, how do you feel in the presence of that coach and those, that staff and those people, rather than trying to get them to like you, like pay attention to how, how you feel around them. Do you feel like you can be yourself? Do you feel like you feel comfortable? Do you feel like they're going to challenge you and, you know, and make you the best, the best person that you, you can be. Um, it's, it's hard though. I mean, some, uh, some coaches are professional salesmen and, you know, I think there are, it, and what that does is it makes it really hard for the people that are genuine and the people that are, that are real. It makes it, cause it makes it harder to believe them. You're just not sure what's what, um, you know, Gabe's been very lucky. He's being recruited by great programs and, you know, I, what I think are very genuine staffs and very, um, you know, and they're recruiting him. You know, I think the other thing, like for like Gabe, I, I think of Gabe as like an acquired taste. Like he doesn't just, he doesn't just jump off at you as like, oh my gosh, he's like, that kid's going to Ohio state or like, you know, that kid's going to wherever, like he doesn't jump off the page at you like that. Like he, he plays the game a certain way, um, which I think is the right way, <laughs> but right. Um, you know, I, I think, so I think fit is important too. And understanding like making sure that coach really likes you for what you are and who you, who you, what you bring to the table um, that way, you know, that way you're going to, you're going to struggle some when you go to college. And if they don't have that belief in you, I think it's, it's easy for them to look at the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. So having that confidence and really recruiting you for what you are, I think is important too. No, that's great. It's good to know. That was a selfish, I, I became in a, I don't even know what's compliance I'm allowed. I'm like really close friends with coach Wes Miller. So I had to, he listens to the podcast. So, Hey, you know what? He's a, he's a learning leader. If he listens, you know, great, you know, so, but I know he's getting recruited 
uh, by a lot of good staffs. And, and as I've learned the game of, of, of college sports, it's it, like you said, it's, it's very unique. It's very, very unique. I've had a, a great opportunity to get to know some coaches here locally. And I think we got a lot of good ones in this state across the board, yeah. but uh, you know, it is a different thing, different dynamic, right? Uh, that's for yeah, sure. No doubt. Um, as far as, you know, coming to a conclusion here, you know, we are the underdog podcast out of curiosity. Cause I tried to, you know, I was asking Ryan different people and it's, it's hard to find maybe your underdog moment. Is there a point where you've had to really overcome adversity in your career or is there a moment or would you consider yourself an underdog? I know that's a broad question, but just, just out of curiosity, how would you kind of look at yourself in that nature? Yeah, I definitely look at myself as an underdog. I mean, I, I, that's, I think that's the edge you get, you know, you mentioned coach Miller. I, one of the things I like the best about coach Miller is he's got that, he's got that edge to him, right? He's always yes, got that, like he's, he's got something to prove all the time. And I think, um, I, I just think that's a necessary thing to have if you're going to excel and compete at a really high level. Um, you know, for me personally, I mean, I was born with a dislocated hip and really I was never supposed to be able to run or do anything like that. So I was like in a body cast until I was like three. Um, of course, I don't remember any of that, but, you know, kind of becoming an athlete and doing that stuff was all kind of like a surprise and like, Oh, okay. 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 Um, and I got a million injuries probably because of that. And I should have just stuck with chess or something like not, not running around. Uh, but you know, I think, I don't know, like people have asked me that specific question about like this year, like, you know, coming off of a state championship, how are you going to, how are you going to like say you're the underdog? And I, I don't think it has anything to do with your past accomplishments. I think it's, it's a, com it's completely a mindset. Like, you know, you, how you work shows how you, where you think you are. I, I, I believe that. I think like, you know, your work ethic underdogs work differently, right? I mean, there's no greater example than the Rocky series. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> he gets, no doubt. he gets complacent and he gets his ass kicked and he gets back to it. And, you know, he thinks of himself as the underdog and here he comes. Right. But I, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the deal. I, I, that's, I'm rooted in just working. I think it's, I think it's part of the wolf mentality too. Like, you know, a wolf is not a tiger. It's not a lion. Like it's a wolf. And so it's a little bit nastier, a little bit, you know, simpler, a little bit more of an underdog. Yeah, no, I, I gravitate to folks like yourself or coach there. I call, I was a walk on, right? So I wasn't good enough. I always was like, hey, you're not good yeah. enough. So I had to go earn my scholarship. And so I tried to, I, I like you said, I, I feel like they always said, yeah, you're too skinny. You're too small. You're too this. So I've tried to translate that in the business. As you said, like choosing extra work, everything in life is determined by the extra. I truly believe in that. And like I said, when I started engaging with your body of work, I'm like that. I just, I, I gravitate to like, I'm, I, I really believe in, in, in folks like yourself because you go get it. And like you said, past is real the past results, but I, I, I guarantee you the Centerville Elks will be coming in hot and heavy with an edge with chips on their shoulder to, you know, go and, and fight and chop wood for, for every game this coming year. And I, I got to come, I told Ryan, I got to get to, I got to get to one of these games. I got to, I got to see you in action and see Gabe right. knocking down shots and taking charges and, and uh, the whole nine. But last question we always ask, 
if there was one guest and if you could, well, usually we say you have to, you have to help us make this happen. So hopefully you can, but I'll ask the question, who is one guest we should have on the underdog podcast and why? Mm. Man, that's a good question. Um, man, you have to edit out some some dead time in this. <laughs> It's all good. Sometimes the dead time is the best time because people are just you got you got them hanging on the uh, the edge of their seats. I let me think. Man, that's a tough one. Underdog. So I think I think I'm going to give you two. I, I think Gabe. I think you should get Gabe on. I think okay. Gabe would be right. interesting. Interesting. I would just be interested to hear what he says to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the other one is Jeff Jordan. Jeff Jordan. Jeff Jordan is the it was the wrestling coach at Graham. Won like twenty eight state championships in a row. Okay. All of his kids wrestled at um, Ohio State. Um, I think one of I, like you talk about maintaining an underdog mentality when. Uh, when he's been successful and like he, he just, that's it. When I was at Graham, which is where I coached before here, that's who our basketball team trained with. And so like our basketball team would train with the wrestling team a lot because their mentality matched what I wanted. And uh, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. And it, I thought it was great for our kids. It was definitely great for me. Coach Jordan, somebody that I, I still stay in touch with and is a good friend. Yeah, real question. I guess last question. Did you get one of those? Uh, what do they call them? Singlets and get on the on the mat at all? Or <laughs> no, I'm not wrestling him. We we he, he would we we do a lot of like we do some hillbilly workouts and stuff. Actually, that's where the retreat started. Was with Coach Jordan and the wrestling team and our basketball team going up there. Uh, but we'll compete in some other stuff. But I, I'm not like he would beat me as bad in wrestling as I would beat him in basketball. His jumper is broke. <laughs> But probably not as probably not as broke as I would be if I tried to wrestle. Yeah, I'll tell you what; those wrestlers are one uh, tough SOBs. I mean, they they are uh, they grit and grind and sweat, and it's like wow, it, you got a whole nother level. I got on the mat; I didn't wear a singlet, but I got on those mats once or twice back in the day, and I'm like, this is not for me. I'd rather be hooping yeah. or baseball or basketball, football. You know, that's 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 the name of the game. But man, what a what a special time together! Really appreciate. Uh, everything you're doing here in Southwest Ohio, let alone, I think you've touched people across the country and spreading the message of, you know, all the great things you're doing. And once again, so many knowledge nuggets, but I will remember always bringing the ax to work in chopping wood and keep uh, swinging, baby, keep swinging, keep, keep swinging, chop, chop, as you would say. But uh, coach, thank you so much for, for joining the underdog podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps. Leave a five-star rating and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.